Hello and welcome to the final episode of the Desi EM Project Podcast. This is the last uh, episode of season one and we've come a long way. Uh, thanks for, uh, thanks to the support that I've got from the listeners. Uh, we've had uh, episodes on why we all joined emergency medicine. We've spoken about what is emergency medicine, when to attend uh, Department of Emergency Medicine, uh, a lot about ketamine, strokes, airways, traumas, metabolic health, you know, and whatnot. Uh, today for the season finale, I have with me two of my top residents who will be speaking regarding two of the most commonly performed procedures in the emergency department, the central line and the chest tube. It's my pleasure to have Drs. Nanika and Ashutosh with me today. Hi, sir. Thank you so much for calling us on your podcast. Always <laughs> welcome. Good morning, sir. I'm very <laughs> ecstatic being here after such a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's always good to have you guys here. Uh, so, Nenika and Ashutosh, uh, this episode is going to resonate uh, with a lot of emergency medicine residents who would be in the middle of their EM training. Uh, you know, you'll be talking about two of the most common procedures. Nenika, mm-hmm. I believe you're going to discuss uh, some, uh, you know, indications, contraindications, and the procedures for central lines. Yes. And uh, Ashutosh, you're going to talk about chest tubes, right? Yes. All right. So, Nenika, when did you start putting central lines? So, last year when I joined here in this department, uh, after four or five months, uh, like everybody used to do procedures. My seniors used to do procedures. They used to ask me about the indications. First, they always ask you about your anatomy, indication, complications and contraindication. Then you can do uh, the procedure. So, when I finally replied to them when I answered them all their questions then I get my first procedure and it was by Dr. Meghna and Dr. Ankur so I oh, still remember I, yeah, <laughs> I still remember on uh, in crash bed number one I got my first procedure okay. uh, in the guidance of you and Meghna ma'am so, not bad uh, so you you were just four or five months into the yes, residency sir. when you did your first central yes, line and how so, did that feel it was. I think I told my families and like my friends. Yeah, I did my first procedure <laughs> because I never did any procedure before that. So, so yeah. it's exciting, and, right? Yeah, I mean, you get you get a rush. And uh, to our listeners, don't take it otherwise. Obviously, I mean, it's not that we want to put central lines in patients, mm-hmm. but when it's required, we have to. You know. Uh, so Nanika, why don't you tell us? regarding the indications you know when should you put a central line in a patient so there are many indications like to put the central line and especially when the patient is coming to you in emergency a uh, patient who needs fluid resuscitation so first indication i will say fluid resuscitation in these patients require fluids continuously and the so like well. i mean can't you can't you do fluid resuscitation through peripheral lines we can do it but if we need to give fluids continuously and there we have to give multiple drugs uh, higher concentration drugs and then uh, uh, t- and there is no peripheral access, we can go ahead with the central line. So basically, yeah, if yeah, the patient requires fluid resuscitation but does not have a, a peripheral, peripheral access, access, right? Because yeah. because an 18-gauge uh, cannula yeah, large bolt would cannula, be able to yes. provide yeah. faster boluses than a central line, right? Yes, sir. So a, a central line would be put for fluid resuscitation, especially mm. only when you don't have a, peripheral a, peripheral, access. a large bolt peripheral bolt, access, right? Yes, sir. 
what else uh, are the indications for uh, we, we have to give like higher concentrated drugs like, like in the uh, three percent saline and uh, kcl uh-huh. uh, so that uh, in hype like in hyponatremic patients we require to give these drugs so so when you need to give so i mean is it necessary that you need a central line if you want to start off these drugs so it is not necessary but uh, in these patients if we give uh, through the peripheries uh, the problem would be veins could be damaged it, it is irritating Extra drugs yeah exactly so irritation can be there and uh, so Ashtosh, can Ashtosh, do you think yeah. do you think uh, you can give any of these drugs like the concentrated electrolytes through peripheral access or you need to put a central line first and then only go ahead and give these medications so actually if it's life saving i guess you have to start something peripherally uh, kcl we can give in uh, a diluted form in a 500 ml uh, normal saline you can dilute 20 to 40 mix of kcl and start it peripherally uh, mm-hmm. by the time you can get time that you can safely place the central line yeah. So you're able to do the best for your patient both so, ways. Exactly. So if you have if you have a large bore peripheral axis in a large bore you know, vein, you can give these medications, including inotropes and your vasopressors, for a good four to six hours yes. before you put in a central line and then continue the infusions in those central lines. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean for the listeners, it's not necessary that you have to first place a central line and then start off these uh, medications yeah, you can start these medications peripherally but yeah one should know that you can't give them long term through your peripheral mm-hmm. veins because it's going to extravasate and cause a lot of thrombophlebitis and a lot of other damages and then you can put in a central line and then continue with these medications so anything else that you think uh, is uh, required uh, you know yes sir. any any other indication for a central line uh, is for access? hemodialysis also central lines are uh-huh. required and uh, multiple drug infusion if the patient yeah. requires multiple drug infusion so we can get a central line done uh, one access can help you get three multiple drugs like infusion and um, yeah that would be helpful okay. rather than keep putting two lines in like cubital area and just give right right sense. right so yeah so so those are some of the indications yes, for a central now i'm sure you guys are going to read up later on uh, as to what the indications are I'm talking with the listeners. Mm. Uh, what is interesting is, Nanika, I didn't hear you mention central venous pressure as an indication right. for uh, C-line insertion. Uh, so because the pressure is not indicative of volume in heart. Uh, yeah. Basically, the uh, when the uh, patient is coming to you with fluid deplete, depletion, uh, we won't be able to uh, measure the uh, Pressure volume, volume, volume uh, yeah. by CVP. Yeah. It only indicates the pressure. Exactly. So exactly. We, we won't be able to give fluids that much required to the heart. To, that's why. All right. Ashish, you want to weigh in over here? So basically, if you suppose have a patient with pulmonary embolism, mm-hmm. the patient's CVP is going to be elevated because the pressures obviously are elevated on the right side of the heart. But the yeah. patient can be volume depleted at the same time. So. Yeah. Uh, a CVP reading will give you a false reading, which will not be able to give you a proper treatment for the patient. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, there have been some top-notch uh, studies which have taken place. There have been systematic reviews by the most famous Dr. Paul Marek and the concept of CVP measurement for fluid resuscitation uh, it has absolutely been thrown out of ICU, especially in the West, right? Because the pressure is not indicative of the volume. What you want to know is the volume, right? So how do you get to know the volume? You check your bedside IVCs, real-time IVCs, if it's collapsible, not collapsible. 
you can do a quick uh, bedside echo and check out the left ventricular and diastolic area and then you have the non-invasive cardiac output monitors you know so you give them a fluid challenge you will see the cardiac output increase by about 10 to 15 percent if it happens that means the patient can be given more fluids right uh, so the concept of cvp is actually thrown out and it is now safe to say that cvp monitoring as an indication for sealant insertion is a myth in emergency medicine right so cvp sure. uh, for the listeners and the residents out there cvp is not an indication for uh, central line insertion unless you want to measure the pressures for the pressure itself mm. and not for fluid resuscitation yes, right sir. so that i mean that is the only time you want to put in a central line to measure pressures but don't take it as if yeah, you know you, you you want to resuscitate your patient with fluids looking at the cvp that's not done these days so any contraindications Nanika, for central lines i mean you yes, know, we've, we've spoken about the indications and so, any, any any time when you should not put a central line in a particular vessel. absolute contraindication would be inexperience i would not suggest <laughs> anyone to just well how experienced were you when you were yeah. just four or five months old in this uh, but sir like my consultants, <laughs> yeah my consultants were there my senior consultant were there so yeah i was supervised plus so basically you were taught the theory you you watched and observed a lot of procedures that's why that's and then only you started doing uh these this procedure that also under the guidance of your senior most consultants right yes yeah so that's that's how it's supposed to be so obviously i mean if you're absolutely inexperienced like what happens in a lot of government hospitals where a lot of people try and do these procedures Mm. unsupervised they might get it right sometimes even they Mm. even if they did it the wrong way and then they have this false confidence that Mm. they can do anything so uh, that is something one should be wary about. Yes, Anything sir. else? Sir, local trauma, if the uh, patient have, uh, is having any trauma in that area, yeah. uh, then also infections. So yeah. we should avoid in these so patients. So any overlying skin uh, infections, overlying. you're not supposed yes, to sir. prick over there. Right. And uh, any coagulopathy, like bleeding disorders, we don't know patients PTINR or we should just avoid. So if in a that patient product. requires a central line but is coagulopathy, yeah. uh, what are you going to do? Then I'll just go ahead with the ultrasound guidance and one prick uh, under the guidance, first of all, because I'm a resident. Second, like uh, I'll just check the uh, patient's vital with the uh, reports. I'll okay. tally with it and all then right. go ahead mm-hmm. for the procedure. All right, Ashush, anything? So actually, like we've been taught by you, uh, if the patient is coagulopathic and is critical, uh, the most experienced person on floor should take the first shot right. of placing the central line rather than having others take a try, mess up, and then finally get the most experienced person to put it. So in a coagulopathic patient to reduce complications and uh, you know keep the patient safe, I think the most experienced person on floor should take the shot. Also, don't forget about reversing the coagulopathy, right? Right. So get in your FFPs or your cryo- cryoprecipitates. Or your hemostatic resuscitation get that started right. you know try and control the coagulopathy also along with trying to get a central line if it is mm-hmm. absolutely required again mm-hmm. you should have an absolute indication for the mm-hmm. central line for such kind of patients yeah. mm-hmm. and then you'll have to do these things uh, uh you know use your blood products to reverse the coagulopathy right and then go ahead obviously the most experienced guy or the girl mm-hmm. should perform this procedure at that time 
pretty cool so uh, any any complications um, that can happen nanika so, i mean yeah, oh. every procedure has a complication <laughs> yes, but you know so. i mean if the most experienced person is doing the procedure absolutely so. i don't think there should be a complication right <laughs> yeah but this procedure's got some scary ones <laughs> right first major complication i would say pneumothorax then we can go ahead with thrombus formation arterial puncture and yeah. um, i've seen a case carotid of artery puncture, yeah, yeah. Art- uh-huh. carotid artery puncture and guidewire entrapment also yeah so um, that happened with us yes, once right i mean uh, one of my residents had called me that the guidewire is not being able to be pulled out after he had dilated through it uh, so we didn't touch it we just used an echo and an ultrasound to actually trace the guidewire and we found that it got entrapped in the right ventricle mm-hmm. uh, which was a scary mm-hmm. one because uh, we had never read about this complication mm-hmm. but it still happened right and you guys were not here at that time yes, so uh, i there. mean we've published this uh, complication so that the rest of the world knows mm-hmm. that this can also happen you know so what we did was uh, we got a, a real time echocardiography done mm-hmm. and started twisting in the other direction mm-hmm. uh, anti clockwise and slowly slowly with every with every cardiac output with every uh, beat of the heart after the walls opened up we started to pull the guidewire slowly out and then it finally came loose and we pulled it out we had the ctvs guys on standby but yeah that was that was an interesting complication and that's mm-hmm. why we got it published so that people know so what we thought was probably because that resident again was a newbie was really excited to do the procedure and he put the guide wire straight mm-hmm. in you know he didn't know when to stop i mean he knew when to stop but he couldn't <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was a complication that should not happen but yeah it's one of the rarest complications uh, so yeah it's it's published so you guys can read it out there I'll probably put in a citation for this uh, uh, on the podcast the listeners can go ahead and download the paper and read through it as to what exactly happened and how we fixed it up there was another very interesting one nanika yeah. you want to go through that there was that very was... another very rare complication that happened there uh it was arch of aorta cannulation it was also done by the... i wasn't here but yeah i heard mm-hmm. about it i read about it yeah so so yeah i mean yeah yeah i mean so i mean again one of the residents he he had a very nice prick on the igb he put the put in the guide wire I don't know how somehow the guide wire punctured through the posterior vessel of the internal jugular vein and entered the subclavian artery and through the artery it reached the Arch- arch of aorta and obviously there was no resistance in the guide wire so he cannulated it and uh, then later when the x-ray was done it showed that there was something wrong in the placement of the central line mm-hmm. so we got a ct angio done <laughs> and and this is what the ct and you showed that you know uh, the catheter reached the arch of aorta which was which was again very massive for us cuz we had never heard about that unless i mean we had obviously heard that if you prick the carotid artery and you cannulate it obviously you'll reach the arch of aorta yeah. but the ct showed that the catheter went through the internal jugular vein into the subclavian artery and into the arch of aorta <laughs> so you know i mean uh, that's that's one very very rare uh, complication you know uh, so yeah so i mean so once you know the indications contraindications the complications and anika do you want to tell the listeners how do you actually go about you know doing this procedure how do you put central lines yeah, yeah. or where are the uh, different oh, what, what are the different veins that you can uh, choose actually to put I in central i want to add line? one more complication in this oh, yeah please please uh, 
there is dysrhythmia people do forget about it to mention it uh dysrhythmia is also most common complication when we hit a right atrium so yeah right, we right, should yeah. be aware of it that it yeah. is a complication and you should observe you should keep your patient on the monitor ashlosh um so i just wanted to say one thing you know uh when you go through all these complications that happen uh since we have listeners i just wanted to say everyone who comes into emergency medicine you know, me included we were all excited you know uh, when we see everyone you know when we see you put in a central line in less than 2 minutes and all of that we were all excited to do procedures and you know get our hands dirty and all of it but honestly uh, you know i would just like to tell them to take, take their time yeah and take deep breaths take deep breaths and th- there's no hurry there's always going to be patients there's always going to be procedures and in due time you will learn you will get all your procedures you will get all of it done but it's always when you're in a hurry when you're in you know when when you're when you want to get your hands dirty for no reason yeah. it's always then that you come across the weirdest complications and that's when you realize ki i should have stopped you know yeah yeah and something inside will tell you ki you need to stop right now not go for it but it's just the adrenaline it's just the excitement that goes mm-hmm. with it so i honestly as as harsh as i sound uh, but for people who are starting off if if you you know if you're just starting off please take your time with procedures yeah. there, there is a uh, lot of complications i'm, I'm and... sure i'm sure all the listeners are are making notes regarding that because it's difficult to live with yourself <laughs> also i'm telling you from personal experience because it takes a toll on you mentally it does take a toll on you i'm sure i'm sure yes it does uh so nanika yeah. why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners how how do you do uh, central lines so whenever you go ahead with any procedure you should know the anatomy of the patient anatomy of your procedures what you are going to do so yeah. in central line uh, you should know the anatomy first right, so we're going to talk about the triangle yeah first i just that's for the igv yeah, why don't you tell the listeners what are the veins that you can actually cannulate for doing central lines subclavian yeah. uh, we can go ahead with the femoral vein right uh, that's it i mean like in emergency over subclavian is the most igv is the most common we use it because in femoral is a dirty line the yeah. patient is not comfortable and patient so can land up in infection yeah. so so yeah. you have three vessels right that's what you exactly. want to say you have yeah. the internal jugular vein and the subclavian and, and the femoral, femoral right, right. So. and the basic technique is the same technique which is the seldinger technique Selling right yes, but uh, uh, you still need to describe how you do it uh i can like uh, shall i go ahead with the anatomy part yeah, yeah. Oh, okay we'll just talk about the igv anatomy i think uh, okay. the rest the listeners are going to read yeah. up anyways so, so yeah. igv is the lateralmost uh, vein uh, to the it um, carotid artery is medial to the igv so you yeah. have to palpate the carotid artery yeah. you have to hold it yeah. and then just go ahead with the igv Right. Uh if you're using ultrasound it would be more convenient to you yeah but then this is india we don't get yeah. ultrasounds everywhere one should know the anatomical yeah, landmarks <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah go ahead with your car- palpate your carotid artery just lift it up like you can just put your fingers and you can just manipulate it and go ahead with the igv and it should be in the triangle, in right? the triangle anterior triangle and it Lies what makes a triangle sternoc- what makes a triangle sternocleidomastoid so and sternocleidomastoid and over here is comes the so you have the two heads right two heads of sternocleidomastoid and angle of mandible uh from the angle of mandible uh, your sternocleidomastoid goes to the clavicle and uh, yeah. okay. then 
So you have the apex where the two heads apex, meet, yeah. right? And then you mm. have the base, which is the clavicle, yes, right? Sir. Yeah, right, that's, right, that's yeah. Right, So right. a lot of people have this confusion, you know, what, what they do is they actually start picking from the angle of the mandible, which is too posterior. Yeah. Right? And uh, they end up making hematomas because then they have to go through the muscles. muscles. Yeah. Right? So right. that's that's a mistake, very common mistake a lot of residents do mm-hmm. because they're actually scared of causing a pneumothorax. Yeah, right. right? You right? should always You have to go inside the triangle, you know. Yeah. So you just, when you, when you palpate the carotid, mm-hmm. you need to go... To, towards the ipsilateral nipple, ipsilateral right? nipple. Within, the within the but triangle. in the triangle, in the you know? triangle. and you will get it just just one one, one and a half centimeters away from away the carotid from the you know? i've seen a lot of my residents also do this mistake where they call me for troubleshooting and i go and see that they've picked way up into the near the angle of mandible or the neck we should go and uh, you know they're like you know they've, they've pricked the vessel but they can't get anything through it that's because you've pricked the wrong place yes right? sir so you have the anatomical landmarks that you need to know. Exactly. I'm so. sure everybody's going to go back and read it, read up. Or you can use the ultrasound. So again, a lot of people think that, you know, when they use the ultrasound probe and they see the vessel, wherever they see it, just go prick it. It's, mm-hmm. That's not the case. You still need to visualize the vein. Mm-hmm. Where? So if you keep the pointer laterally, Inside you have triangle. to Inside visualize the, the vein uh, within the, the triangle. triangle. Still have it yeah. within the triangle. Yeah. Not outside of it. Yeah. The reason behind it, right? Yes, sir. Right. So, yeah. So, and then you use your Seldinger technique. So, uh, the listeners can go out there, read up the Seldinger technique, uh, and meet meet your seniors uh, for the femoral also or, or the subclavian. You're all going to use the Seldinger technique. Subclavian these days, at least in the emergency, it's not used that much. Uh, but the IJV and the femoral are, are more uh, commonly prefer, uh, you yes, know, uh, commonly performed procedures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Nanika, I think I think we've got central line down for the listeners, yeah. And I'm going to move on to Ashutosh now. Uh, how much did you sweat your pants <laughs> during your first intercostal tube insertion? Oh, we're talking about chest tubes, yeah. I knocked my socks off <laughs> because one, it uh, whenever you have to do a thoracostomy, it comes up in a patient who is never going to be stable. Nobody's ever going to walk in, sit down, and say. I mean, right. not very often. Uh, sit down and say, I think I have a pneumothorax. So, you know, you it, it these patients never give you time. And yeah. they start deteriorating in front of you. And so I you was mean your ne- patient was pneumothorax? Yes, okay. my patient was a pneumothorax who right. came into the emergency at, I think, 2.30 in the morning. Right. <laughs> I was on my night shift with Dr. Meghna. And uh, I this is a time where I think with three months in, mm. it started night shifts. and Oh, yeah, three oh, months. And yeah, I know. Talk about inexperience. I know. <laughs> but luckily, I mean, Dr. Meghna was there. And uh, basically, I wasn't even, I didn't even know the patient was taken in the respiratory area on bed number seven. I was in observation. And I just finished my notes. I thought, you know, I can come and take a peekaboo at, you know, what the big guys are doing. Yeah. And uh, ma'am saw me and ma'am is like, uh, have you ever placed an ICD before? And I said, no. And then she's like, I'm giving you 10 minutes. Uh-huh. Read about the indications, contraindications, complications. Yeah. And um, if you can get at least a few of them right, then I'll, you know, I'll show you how it's done and uh-huh. you can help. So um, I went, I started reading up. Uh, it, this was a point where you don't know ICD 
thoracostomy, thoracotomy. Yeah. Uh, these are all, you know, every, everything sounded the same. And I was like, <laughs> I was at 2.30 in the morning, you're flustered anyway. You have a patient who's desaturating in front of you. So finally read up on it. Uh, I mean, it opened up uh, doors in my mind that I, I, I didn't think, uh, you know, were possible. And it basically just brings out a whole new expanse of what can be done and what, you know, can happen. And was it a successful ICD insertion? Yes, yes. So I mean, they were successful in fire, right? knocking my socks off and yeah. <laughs> saving the patient. So, I mean, what are the indications for putting in a chest tube in a patient? You know, I so mean, it's a painful procedure. Right. So the thing is, um, a pneumothorax is your most common indication, whether it's a spontaneous pneumothorax or a secondary open pneumothorax or a closed. Are you going to do it for all pneumothoraxes? No. So the dictum goes less than two centimeters. Uh, uh, for pneumothorax, uh, patient is stable. There's no tension created. The patient can be treated, uh, you know, without an ICD. Uh -huh. And uh, these patients can be treated with, you know, high flow oxygen and the pneumothorax can resolve. But any patient who's come in, a, especially in a tension pneumothorax or is unstable, vitals are getting worse, or the pneumothorax is more than two centimeters on the chest X-ray, you're supposed to place an ICD. All right. Uh, so, other causes can be hemothorax, chylothorax, empyema, hydropneumothorax. I mean, anything in the lung that is not supposed to be there, uh, fluid, blood, chyle, pus, air, in the, in the pleural cavity that is not supposed to be there. <laughs> um, you want to get that out, uh, an ICD is your best bet. And it's affecting the patient. Right. So, yeah, for small pneumothoraces, you usually don't put in a chest tube. Right. If you have a large one, you have to go ahead and do that if the patient is especially desatting and stuff, yes. right? Yes. All right. So, any any contraindications that uh, are there for chest tubes? So, I think the universal contraindication is going to be inexperience, <laughs> like <Yeah>. I was. <laughs> um, well, you guys have been going against contraindications. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it you know it, it's 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 good to do that when you're being taught by the best. So, thank you. Um, the inexperience, of course, you know, local trauma, local infections. Uh, that is another contraindication. Um, plural uh, adhesions because of uh, previous surgeries or any other uh, of those complications is a contraindication. Mm. Uh, blebs in the lung. Uh, yeah, so also... that's an important one because a lot, lot of people, you know, uh, they mistake blebs as pneumothorax, pneumothorax on right. the x-rays and they right. go ahead and... Uh, they place an ICD and then yeah. it causes a lot of complications. Yeah, so it can call, cause bronchopleural fistula. So right. one has to remember that. So, right. You know, uh, watch out for the COPD patient, you know, uh, before you go to the over there. You need to absolutely confirm, be sure to get, to confirm that the patient has a pneumothorax. And better than an X-ray is to do it's a lung CD ultrasound. Oh. If you're doing it right. on bedside. Right, right. And you want to confirm, lung ultrasound. Right. And of, then, of course, you can move in for a CT if the patient is stable enough. If the right. patient is not, not stable. Right. It's not going to help you. Yes. A lung ultrasound, I've actually tried it in the past three or four ICDs I've placed. Yeah. So, um, thanks to you, we've uh, started to realize what to look for, what not to look for. Mm -hmm. And I've realized um, it's um, more convenient than yeah. getting, you know, uh, waiting for a portable X-ray to come. Yeah. Uh, it's more, uh, it, it's faster, of course. Uh, the only thing is, you know, trying to get the hang of the, you know, looking for the A-lines, looking yeah. for the uh, uh, lung... Um, what is that called? Uh, the lung sliding. Lung sliding, yeah. yeah. The lung sliding, you have the lung bulbs, right? Yeah. And then so it, it's especially nice to see, see the, you know, barcode sign and everything. Yeah. It's good to be able to, you know, maneuver the machine and 
diagnose and you both or i saw at the same so time so remember to compare both the sides right definitely yeah. so any any complications are going to happen if you put in chest tube right uh, so it, when i got to place my first chest tube <laughs> now already uh, patients desetting uh-huh. and um, so ma'am uh, so we placed the tube with the trocar so ma'am told me you have to push through with a bit of pressure but don't push too hard that you end up rupturing the heart yeah. so these are our first instructions and for somebody who's already sweating his socks off this is not what i wanted to hear because then you're confused how hard do i push and when do i stop yeah. um, so a lot of complications bleedings um, hematomas infections you're placing another you're placing a foreign object yeah. uh, you have rupture of the uh, peri- you have rupture of the pericardium you have rupture of the heart the lung, lung there have been times where people have uh, because they didn't read the anatomy well they have placed um, the icd through the liver yeah. they have placed an abdominal icd right a lot of the times the icd placed is too deep and it goes and sits in the fissures of the lobe mm-hmm. so you it's actually not draining anything uh, and it's preventing the lobe uh, the lung from re expanding a lot of the time people are the too shy perhaps to go all the way in and that's why the icd is placed out and ends up with uh, subcutaneous emphysema and uh, the icd again isn't draining anything so yeah. uh, depending on placement and anatomy and knowing how to place the icd there are a lot of complications uh, that are happening nowadays okay yeah so i mean yeah there's that's quite an expansive list of complications there right? yeah for chest tubes yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean it's it's not a very very difficult procedure i mean if done properly right right, right. you forgot right. to mention that you can actually damage the neurovascular bundles neurovascular right bundle right if you don't use an anatomy properly right 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 so i mean let's go through that for the listeners how do you put in the chest sure. tube so um basically the first thing is placement of the patient the patient has to be in the supine position at 45 degrees on the bed yeah all right now you've confirmed your pneumothorax and you have to, you are supposed to expose the patient completely until the umbilicus and you're supposed to tell the patient to put his hand behind <laughs> the back of his head so the easiest way i can explain it is um, if any of you have seen titanic there is a scene where the Kate Winslet uh, gets drawn like one of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's French girls yeah. and the way she's sitting basically with her hand behind her head yeah. that's the way the patient needs to be placed all right yeah now uh, obviously because you're inserting a foreign body into the pleural cavity you have to make sure that proper sanitary precautions are maintained yeah, you've so draped the sterile precautions right, right? Yeah. so you've draped the patient now uh, the idea of the procedure is to find your angle of louis mm-hmm. once you found this everything else is a breeze your angle of louis is basically your second intercostal space that is right next to the manubrio sternal joint that joint there uh, mm-hmm. is called the angle of louis the origins of this are hell complicated between france and germany so we'll not get into that yeah you don't need to yeah <laughs> so once you found your second intercostal you have to uh, drag down and count to the fifth intercostal Right. your fifth intercostal space the icd is placed in the mid axillary line in the fifth intercostal space once you've come down to the fifth intercostal space you drag your fingers while keeping in the same space into the mid axillary line the icd is also placed above the inferior rib rather than below the superior rib 
the reason why, for why? that yeah the reason for that is because in the notch in the ribs you have the neurovascular bundles which is at the lower end so to prevent complications of causing neurovascular problems you go above the superior rib yeah. so that you are as far away as possible from either the above or the lower uh, neurovascular bundles you mean above the inferior rib yeah above the inferior rib yeah. sorry so um, once you've come here you start giving your local anesthesia uh, and it's given in layers uh, for the subcutaneous tissue the muscle separately and then the pleura once you've done that you have two basic methods uh, with which you can place the icd either you can go with the blunt dissection method while using the kelly's clamp yeah. or you can use a trocar absolutely and uh, so yeah these days a lot of people do blunt dissection and just place the tube yeah. rather than use the trocar uh, trocar is causing a lot of the complications we just uh, yeah, yeah. talked about yeah That's so true. once you've placed the tube uh, one thing i'd like to mention is once you've placed the tube make sure you pack it properly and make sure you get an x-ray to see where the tube is placed a lot of the times people see that oh we place the tube and then they leave uh, they don't uh, they don't care to uh, get an x-ray and then the tube is placed somewhere else or it's lodged in the fissure or it's so it should be pointing towards the apex pointing yes always, pointing yeah, towards the apex and also i mean if you have a pneumothorax for which you're going to do this procedure somebody would i mean whoever's uh, doing the procedure will feel a huge a gush of air, air yeah. that comes out so you know that you know you're into the pneumothorax and right. it's going to start draining and uh, don't forget to mention the seal right so basically what happens is once you've placed the icd <clears throat> you're before you like if you're using a trocar before you pull out the trocar you clamp the icd yeah. and if you're using the kelly's clamp method you clamp the icd before you attach it to a watertight seal the confirmatory test that you have placed the icd properly and it's draining well is the water water column movement in the uh, watertight seal yeah once you see the water column movement that's when you know that you're in everything is draining well you'll drastically see the patient's vitals in, improving and then you're supposed to pack it up yeah true and also if you have like trauma patients who have hemothoraces yeah you know, you start collecting blood in the seal right and you need to keep a watch out for how much blood is collecting and then accordingly you need to replace that also you know so yeah i think uh, i think that's important uh i think that's about it uh, for the season finale thank you so much nanika and ashutosh uh, it was a pleasure to have you guys over here man so pleasure all out thank you so much interesting episode i hope i hope the listeners out there have uh, taken some notes uh, and have enjoyed listening to uh, these guys talking about central lines and uh, chest tubes uh that's it for today and for the year i mean happy new year to everybody out there have a wonderful uh december 31st happy new year happy and, new year uh we'll get back to you in 2023 for season 2 of the desi em project yes. uh keep Can't listening wait. you know keep listening and uh, enjoy all it is bye 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 bye